The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? The canceled too soon the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less my name is william bibiani i'm a film critic for the rap and bloody disgusting and ign and critically acclaimed and everybody calls me bibs my name is whitney seibold i write for the internet and the whole of the internet from the wall street journal to the wall street journal I've never been published the whole in the gamut round the yeah. circle. Yeah. I've uh, I've never been published in the Wall Street Journal, but I am a film critic. Mm. Uh, I don't have a cool nickname like you do. You're the beauty. I'm I'm the beauty sometimes. I think in certain circles, name. I'm the you beauty. You have a new haircut. I do have a new haircut. I, as you can tell, everybody from listening well, to this podcast, it really has a fabulous new haircut. Really shows on the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, four foot tall, um, mm. bright purple, and um, I've I, it's. Part of my audition to play um, Cindy Williams in the biopic for the B-52s. Well, I mean, it's a, you'd be a bold choice. Mm-hmm. Be a controversial choice. Yeah. So uh, get ready for that. Get ready for that. Get ready it's, to be on It's that. either me or a thousand other more qualified people. That's probably true. Uh, this week on Cancelled Too Soon, uh, it's June, and June sucks. June is quite a busy time for us in the film op biz. How do we always forget how busy June gets? It's ridiculous. Um, It's the middle of the summer season. They're cramming in as many screenings and junkets. Everything that we have to write about in order to stay alive uh, is just being crammed together in June. It's not going to be this bad again until November when everyone all trying the Oscar to get stuff. Yeah. Well, it's all the Oscar stuff and also all the blockbuster stuff that they're trying to release at Christmas. They're going to put it all in June. Mm. So that all, every one of the every one of the publicists can go home early for the holidays, and uh, every one of the writers mm. uh, won't have any work in, in, for the holidays, and we'll be wondering, we'll be questioning our career choices, and it's great. Uh, yeah, well, and while while we're sort of we got all of that out of the way at the end of the year, yeah. By the time Christmas rolls around, you know, all the big releases hit theaters. All the like the last end of the year push for all those big movies mm. finally comes out at the end of December. By the end of December, we've done all that already. Mm-hmm. We did. We went through that back in November. We watched all these movies. We reviewed them all. We did our top ten lists. Now we don't know what to do. And we're sort of sitting at home for the holiday season, like you said, questioning our life choices, and also looking forward to January when the work begins again. Mm. And January is such a piss-poor time for movies. It's when we get triple-X sequels nobody asked for and Underworld Part 12 <laughs> The Nut Job, <laughs> Kangaroo Jack, <laughs> I Frankenstein. Ooh. All these, all these, there's always at least one demonic possession thriller. Usually, there's yeah, like a, a Conjuring Universe sequel usually mm. crammed in there somewhere, and they always suck. It's and it's, it's a, so bad. It's such a miserable time. Anyway, this is a very roundabout way of saying that our original plan to review the whole series of Wizards and Warriors, which isn't even really that long a series, it's like eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got that got uh, uh, screwed up. So instead, uh, uh, so we're uh, not keeping you waiting until we've finished that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are gonna do a couple of pilots. And first up is a pilot for a television series. It was aired as a TV movie. And it turns out there's a lot of people who think, erroneously, that it was a pilot for a TV series about Iron Man. And I can see why. Yeah, they, they're not um, dissimilar. There, There is a man who does superhero things in a super suit, like super armored suit. Um, but that's kind of where the similarities end. Hmm. More than anything, it resembles the 1990s series Mantis. Which we haven't gotten to yet. And yet. teased a lot. Oh. Maybe, maybe it will come sooner rather than later. But, uh, we got it. We got it. it. it the premise it. resembles very strongly that of Mantis. The TV series in question came out in 1977, however. Mm. That TV series 
is Exoman. We have no clip for Exoman. Nobody no cared for about. There's no. There's, there's no. no there's no extant TV promos that we could find. Mm-hmm. It's this. This nobody loved this. <laughs> like nobody. No. This wasn't like the moths and Silence of the Lambs, where someone like kept it warm and fed it. Fed Exoman nightshade. Like no, 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 no. <laughs> Exoman is only remembered because some people thought it was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And again. I get it. Basic premise of Exoman. There is a guy who witnesses a crime. In order to get him not to testify to that crime, the criminals beat him up, and then he gets his, gets himself a super suit because he's a scientist. Well, they beat him up and paralyze him. Yeah, yeah. He's down. Yeah, yeah, he's disabled. He deals with that, and he decides to use his brilliant scientific know-how to build a super suit to fight crime in the last five minutes. Yeah, the, the suit doesn't show up until the very end, and we, I, I counted. That, it's like over. It's over an hour. Mm. It's like I think it's an hour thirteen, <laughs> basically of this eighty-minute movie. Like it's <laughs> no, that might be an exaggeration, actually. But it's it's it's, a, it's, it's pretty close. Yes. It's a long movie, and they do not get to the good stuff forever. And, and we are going to approximate that experience for you tonight. <laughs> you don't even get to watch the movie. You get to hear us talk about it. Uh, so David You're Ackroyd, better off. You're better off. David Aykroyd, uh, no relation to Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, uh, plays, not even spelled the same. No, uh, plays Dr. Nicholas Conrad, and he's a physics professor. And he is handsome. Yeah. Uh, he's charming. Is he? In that 1970s TV way, he is—he's he, got matinee idol good looks. Really, when compared to the sex symbols that were around in 1977, yeah. like your your Elliot Gould, Walter Matthau was a sex symbol at one point. Walter Matthau looks like a mushroom that's grumpy. Is <laughs> don't get me wrong, I adore Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau is amazing. <laughs> But he also had resting Walter Matthau face, and th- this is what this is what the women of the seventies had to choose from, and the men, and the, uh, uh, and the men too. Oof, brutal. But um, th- this guy, he's got you know like handsome features, square jaws. He's he's a handsome hero type. Yeah, I wanna- and he's a very capable professor. He explains very complex things to his class a lot of imaginary physics that he's clearly sounds like he's making it up on the fly yeah but he's selling it yeah it's stuff cake mm. stuff cake it's hard to make exposition work uh i want to i want to rocket everybody back to the year 1977 for a minute mm. uh this aired on nbc on june 18th 1977 that's just a few weeks after star wars and Smokey and the bandit opened but do you know what opened <laughs> that week you know what everyone was watching instead of exoman Whatever one was going to at the theaters. The Deep. Okay. And okay. Exorcist to the Heretic. This is better than Exorcist to the Heretic. I will give you then, that. Then being having your back sandpapered is better than <laughs> Exorcist to the Heretic. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It was directed by Richard Irving, who directed the pilot for The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. Very similar premise in a lot of ways. I can see why they thought it would be a hit. Uh, and it was written by... Uh, the screenplay was written by Lionel E. Siegel, who wrote for The Six Million Dollar Man and Spider-Man, and a screenwriter, Howard Rodman, who wrote, speaking of Walter Matthau, the great Don Siegel thriller Charlie Varick. Oh, there you go. Uh, he also wrote some other Don Siegel films like Coogan's Bluff and Madigan. Uh, the story was co-written by uh, Martin Caden, who also worked on The Six Million Dollar Man. He also wrote the novel that Marooned was based on. Oh, nice. Okay, so... A.K.A. if you're an MST3K fan, Space Travelers, which was basically Apollo Apollo 13 in, like, 1967. Mm. Yeah, with... uh, with, Was it that early? Was it... Was it 69? All right. It was was later than that. It was young Gene Hackman, it was Gregory Peck, Mm. uh, and it was was fine. And it was on Mystery Science. It's not very good, actually. I think it was, like... I think it's the only film to have won an Oscar to have been on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, one of them had me work for the visual effects. Visual effects. Yeah. Um, okay, so this we're dealing 1969. with... 1969. 69. Yeah. I thought it was later than that. I thought yeah. it was a 70s film. All right. My brain is wrong, as it often is. Uh, yeah, so it's like a, a whole cadre of people who are working on l- like mid-70s and 60s sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sort of like that post-Star Trek, much more uh, grounded science fiction that was coming through TV at the time. Yeah, and uh, there was a, we, we, we've seen a lot of this before. We did on the Cancel Too Soon Monthly movie. Like, 
the TV version of Captain America, which was basically dude what, in a if, van that was covered from like the entire interior was covered in shag carpeting. Well, it, it was what what if Captain America were Easy Rider? That was kind of yeah, know, which is because Easy Rider was Captain, a, was a Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've seen Easy Rider, that's Peter Fonda. There was this movement in the nineteen seventies to get superheroes on television. Some of them were hits. Incredible Hulk was a hit. Wonder Woman was a hit. But a lot of superheroes don't really fit the TV mold. Mm. And so they ended up feeling just uh, like any other show except one guy is wearing a stupid outfit. Yeah, like they didn't really have the special effects technology, especially not on a TV budget, to do that sort of thing. You know, Superman 1978 was a big deal because they were finally putting like a huge amount of resources into the visuals. Well, the the tagline for some of it was Mm. even, you will believe a man can fly, because Mm. before, you couldn't believe it. No. You'd get the gist of it, but you wouldn't actually believe it. Like George Reeves was just sort of suspended on cables in front of a, a... yeah. Rear screen projection. It got the job done, but it wasn't convincing. Uh-huh. Yeah, you had to. You had to. The audience had to bring their imagination uh-huh. with them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they couldn't turn their brain off. So, the brain had to work to make the movie work. And uh, or the TV at, show. And at the case. time, you know, this sort of like rogue loner was a big uh, sort of subgenre. It was just sort of yeah, like from when 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 Eels Dare and Renegade and that sort of show. Uh, but Renegade was later. But yeah, uh, they decided to take those sorts of characters and sort of push superherodom onto them, making them a lot more grounded. We watched something that was a little bit more fantastical, Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. and good God, was that thing boring? Uh, It's boring because I don't know why they thought this was important. I understand we're on a TV budget, we can't show you a ton of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. I don't understand why the solution to we can't afford to show you a bunch of cool superhero stuff is we're going to pad it out for like an hour with really boring stuff that no one in their right mind mm. would watch without changing the channel. Now, to be fair, with Exoman, they do pad it out, but they're constantly giving us information. There's, there's, And also, they're giving us some pretty interesting... Uh, they're not celebrity cameos, but interesting character actors who were working at the time. A fair number of recognizable faces. Mm. Um, Most notably, their mm. big celebrity get was Jose Ferrer. Yes, as a as a supervillain named Kermit. <laughs> Kermit Haas. Kermit Haas. Yes. That's uh, not, who's Haas? Kermit Haas. That sounds like it's an anagram for something. Doesn't Ker- it just? Kermit Haas. They're, they're, they're rearranging letters. Uh, we have uh, Donald Moffat, who is best known mm-hmm. uh, for playing the president in Clear and Present Danger. How dare you come in and balk at me? <laughs> I am the president of the United States. How dare you, sir? That guy. Who's uh, <laughs> also the guy who didn't want to spend the entire winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> That's right. In the great. thing. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so you got him showing up for one scene. You have uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, showing up as a district attorney super briefly. Kevin yeah, McCarthy. yeah for, for like, you blink and you miss him. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy from uh, star of the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. He's the bad guy in UHF. He's been around for, yeah. forever. Uh, let's see who we got here. There's uh, a few others. Uh, a. Martinez plays uh, one of Dr. Conrad's students. Uh, and this was right before he was about to start a really prolific career in soap operas. Mm. He was in Santa Barbara. I think it was in uh, General Hospital and maybe as the world turns. Uh, and I've interviewed him. He's a nice guy. That's cool. Yeah, he was in uh, the sixth Chucky movie. Uh, he was in Curse of Chucky. Curse of Chucky. I think it was. Yeah, that yeah. was six. Yeah, six. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, Chucky movies, we also get a nice appearance here from character actor Jack Colvin, who played the child psychologist in the original Child's Play. He was hey. also the intrepid reporter who was trying to track down David Banner in the original Incredible Hulk TV series. Oh, cool! All right, so we got a lot of recognizable faces to kind of ease you into this. Although I imagine A. Martinez probably wasn't super famous yet. Oh, and we didn't even mention Harry Morgan from Mash. He plays ah, the yes. cop. Yeah. Uh, he was also the he plays like, like cops, generals, uh, sergeants, judges. He played authority figures a lot. That was interesting. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we gave you the gist of the movie already in about two sentences, but let's pad it out. Just the Exo Man way. <laughs> well, okay, so it, it's established that he's uh, a brilliant uh, physicist. Oh, I thought you were going to say a brilliant jogger, because we established that he, first. He jogs a lot, and he plays a lot of tennis with his girlfriend. Yeah, he's a very active gentleman. Mm. So, so he, he, he's a modern man about town. Yeah. He's very, yeah, he's very active, he runs a lot, and I think they were doing that to balance the fact that he was going to lose the use of his legs later on. Oh, yeah. No, they they didn't mm. want it to be, like, academic mm. that, uh, you know, he his whole life had changed. They wanted to show you, like, immediately, like, everything this guy did when he wasn't teaching was very active. Yeah. So the opening scene is he and his girlfriend are jogging, and he says, I'm going to pass that other jogger. The fastest jogger yeah. in the world. Nobody's ever beaten him. As He's if, like, as nobody like some, ever. Some sort of local legend, the man who jogs a little bit more quickly than the other people. Yeah, it's an adult maniac McGee. Yeah, it's not like a contest. They're just jogging. Yeah, like, the point of jogging isn't to win. You're thinking of racing. <laughs> they're not racing, they're just jogging. Just jogging. Who gives a crap? Anyway, yeah, he starts teaching a, a class. He gives a lot of fake physics it's not oh. real physics but he sells it like i said he sells I, it i like and, when uh, he talks about how like yes you know the uh you know man is asserting his dominance over nature what if i were to tell you that in a few years i could come in with an ultraviolet powered energy source the size of a penny and put it on this table and with the flick of a remote control i could lift the table up in the air to which i in the audience say why would you want to? Are you going to the moving business? <laughs> you know what? That would be awfully helpful if you're it, a mover. It would, but it's an interesting thing mm. to use as the number one example mm. well, of how technology is going to evolve. The uh, and this is this it, all of the uh, technology that we'll see, like the spacey space age stuff that we see later on, all stems from the notion that you can irradiate something, and by just using radiation, you can make it move. Yeah. So we know that he's going to uh, – we know the premise of this thing going in. We know he's going to put on a, a suit that's going to help him walk hmm. after he loses the use of his legs. So is he dousing himself with radiation? That was well, my first thought that's, and that's what I was thinking throughout. He's going to start irradiating himself. That's why he wears the suit. Well, but the radiation is coming from the suit, right? Or is it? <laughs> Anyway, Science. Well, we'll get to the suit. We'll get, oh, in a long ass time. First off, we <laughs> have to meet he, his he many has, assistants. He has he has uh, he has two lab assistants who are helping him in his radiation moving experiment. Well, he has three. And he has a Martinez. Yeah. Uh, who is well, no? I was, uh, no he, has, he has another student. Oh, he has two others. Who is yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, he has two that we never see outside of the lab. I assume they live there. Mm-hmm. They're the ones helping him with his radiation experiments. Yeah. But he also has a student who is really brilliant, but always falls asleep in his class mm, because he has to work all night. He's overworked. He works night night shifts and he right away offers to co-sign on a loan for him yeah not so even a student can, loan like so he the can bank. afford the bills that he would pay with this job otherwise and do better in class that is a professor and who believes in you and um, that is a professor who has an excellent credit rating yeah yeah <laughs> that's very impressive <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they're trying to perfect this technology where we'll have these little tiny discs and then we can move these discs using ultraviolet radiation. And they look like bullets, the little things they're using the experiment. I, th- I thought they looked like, you know, those fireworks that are like little tabs and you light them and they make those like ash snakes. Oh yeah, those little yucky, yeah. curly, snaky things. Yeah. 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 That's the official name. <laughs> the, the, the yucky, curly, snakies. <laughs> <laughs> One package of yucky, curly, snakies. I love those yucky, curly, snakies. They were the only kind of fireworks you could get like legally where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really loved is that uh, growing up, uh, the, uh, go, to go off on a tangent, please, because um, <laughs> there's so little to say about Exo Man. But uh, the uh, fireworks laws were different, not from state to state, but from city to city, or at least county to county. Yeah, yeah. and and. I lived really close to a border, so I could drive 10 minutes and get fireworks. Yeah. So as a kid, we'd just you know, drive into Culver City, mm-hmm. pick up fireworks and bring them back, or, or fire them off in a park in Culver in, City where people were blowing their thumbs in, off. In Pasadena, you'd go to Temple City, where they'd have oh, a bunch of good go. ones. But yeah, yeah, it really wasn't that far. Yeah, I lived in Santa place. Monica. you just drive to Culver City. It's really yeah. close. Yeah. But you had to be very careful because on 4th of July, helicopters would fly around Pasadena mm. looking in people's backyards to make sure no one oh. was setting up fireworks. So we had to have, like, scouts... Like on rooftops. Oh, you killjoy! It was re- well. Let, it made let, it. Let, us, let us sever our hands in peace. <laughs> 
Anyway, so he's got a couple of assistants, one of whom is not important in any way, shape, or form. He's just kind of there. Uh, one of them is A. Martinez, who th- uh-huh. that loan thing will be important in a minute. And the other one is an idiot. He's a moron who doesn't label things and doesn't remember what he put in formulas, which is kind of the point. So when well, so which, I, which becomes a plot point later a on, very important plot point mm-hmm. later on. Uh, they go to the bank to co-sign that loan, and it looks like the bank from Spider-Man Two. Like to the extent that I wonder if they shot in the same soundstage. I would not be surprised if Sam Raimi had seen Exo Man. Oh my god! When, prob- yeah, in, actually, in 1977. yeah. Actually, yeah. So this this seems like the kind of thing Sam Raimi would get excited about and like make a well. A Sam point Raimi to see. Sam Raimi did Mantis. That's true. It might not be oh, a coincidence. Sam Raimi just totally ripped off Exoman, didn't oh, he, to make Mantis? Damn you, Sam Raimi! <laughs> Mantis is a little more elaborate. He has like a, a flying Batmobile, and you know, oh, Mantis is infinitely cooler. But like, <laughs> Mantis is is the best TV show ever made. Well. Mm. You're just trying there's, to get on some sort of Shout Factory re-release like, on the cover. <laughs> Whitney Simons. Whitney Simons is Mantis. <laughs> Move um, over the wire. <laughs> it's um, now Mantis's time to shine. Anyway, uh, there's a big bank robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and our our hero... Mm-hmm. Dr. Uh, Conrad. Dr. Conrad, uh, because he's such a good jogger, uh, he takes <laughs> off after the bank... There's bank robbery goes real bad... Mm-hmm. Two of the bank robbers get shot and killed. The other one runs away. Uh, Dr. Conrad takes off after the other bank robber, sees him take his mask off. He's the only one who can prove that was the guy in the bank. He apprehends him. Citizens arrest. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is just like, oh, you got nothing on me. You're the only one who might have seen me. And who are you to say, huh? Maybe I'm just wearing the similar type of clothes. Also, you're a dead man if you talk. And I'm like, okay, well, now I know it's you. You had plausible deniability for like a second, you <laughs> moron. Um, and so he is feeling very noble and he's going to testify in court. But sure enough, the boss of those bad guys, Kermit, uh, is going to... He immediately realizes that Conrad is an idealist, otherwise... A bystander wouldn't have chased down a bank robber, and he gives a speech that I can I can hear coming from Boris Karloff. Yeah, it's like he, any man who chases down any man who chases down another man, uh, is is too decent too decent to live essentially. Well, it's too decent to be bribed. Yeah, and probably brave enough not to be cajoled. So we should try to kill him. Mm. That's the uh, that's that's the message. And, uh, and wh- when Doctor Conrad is doing laundry. Now he. Oh no! You're skipping over the the, the car. The, what happened in the car? Okay. Well, he's he's at the lab with his with his assistants. He sends one of the assistants out for pizza, and that's oh, uh, when his car blows up with that guy inside. Right. And that was the only guy who knew what he did to the formula because he didn't write anything yeah, down. He he was just sort of futzing around with chemicals and didn't just, write, didn't write down the like he mentioned what chemical it was, but not the dosage or when he put it. Well, in. Well, no, he just said, "Oh, I just I I put the wrong thing in there. I know I just picked something up from the from the from mm. the other side of the room." And Conrad's just like, "Well, we can't use that, obviously. So go away." Mm. Not realizing that that would be very important later. Um, so Conrad feels actually really bad about it, and now he's actually going to. Like, take this really, really seriously, get police protection. The police start following him around his apartment complex. He decides to go out jogging with the police. And for some dumbass reason, decides to race them and then end up back in the laundry room at his apartment where he is attacked, brutally beaten, and has his uh, a spinal cord damaged mm-hmm. so that he is now a paraplegic. Yeah. Ouch! That sucks. Oh. That's a that's a terrible thing to happen. Can, can we think about the laundry room for a second, though? May we? Because that's a murder laundry room. Oh, like, yeah. Like he he's pretty well off if he's got great credit and he's teaching at a, a prestigious school, which I think is UCLA. I, I don't think it is, it's, but it looks like it. It, it. it looks like it, but it's not. I think I, I'd recognize. I was it. trying to find. I was you know playing that game that you know mm. those of us who live in Los Angeles do with every TV show. It's like spot the LA location yeah. and. It's clearly shot in L.A., like part of it's shot on Western. Oh, yeah. I saw but, they, they make a point of it. Yeah. But I couldn't nail any of the locations. Like, I didn't recognize anything. Well, they pick really nondescript locations. Mm. It's like, you know how, like, everyone well, complains in the MCU movies that, like, most of the action sequences take place in really bland areas? Like, mm. Captain America Civil War. We're going to have half the Avengers fight the other half of the Avengers. Where do they do it? On an airport tarmac. Well, I, you can t- you can see why they need, needed to do that. A, they needed to like a stage like area so yeah. they could just choreograph a fight, and also 
they were responding to a lot of uh, fan outcry to demand of steel still at that point, even though it was a couple of years later, about how there was so much collateral damage. So they they said, oh, well, there's this part of an airport that's still being built, so there's no people there. I get it, but so it's they gray trash, and it's drab. They can trash my buildings. Yeah, it's not very interesting. That's why it's gray me. and it's drab. This is not, I a, understand this is not an why exciting look creative decisions. Though. Well, here's the thing. That's, at the very least, you have superheroes doing cool stuff. And Exo-Man, every time someone walks outside, it's like, oh, that's the alley behind someone's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything looks like... Mm. It looks like your your college college movie. It, it looks it looks like a college student film. Yeah, the film yeah. the films you shot with your friends. Yeah. Um so yeah, he's he's paralyzed and he's feeling really bad as you can imagine. There's a scene where he is in his apartment and his girlfriend is trying to like call to him get mm-hmm. in saying if you don't answer me there's a huge bucket of KFC on his on his coffee Giant, table. Well, no, not KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken because they had chicken in it back then. Oh, that's true. Remember, they had to change the name. This is true. Mm. They had to change the name of Kentucky Fried Chicken to mm. KFC because mm. they weren't allowed to call it chicken anymore. That that's that's apocryphal. That is apocryphally uh, um, true. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna debunk that. Because, oh yeah. Uh, there have been three three reasons why they changed went from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC. Okay. The first was it wasn't technically chicken, so they had they couldn't say it, call it chicken anymore. That's not true. It's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You might get a rat here or there, but it's mostly chicken. Why are you yucking my yum? I'm so sorry. That's the better answer. Some people said there is a stigma attached to fried. They didn't want to say they're fried anymore because Mm. people are more health conscious. That's also not true. What really happened was the state of Kentucky was low on revenue. And Kentucky, and I don't know how they managed to do this, were able to copyright the name of the state. Wow. So if you wanted to use the name Kentucky in any sort of brand name, you had to pay royalties to the state treasury of Kentucky. So Kentucky Fried Chicken, which had been banking on the name of Kentucky for forever uh-huh. and liked Kentucky enough to honor it so, as soon as they started saying, oh, we have to give Kentucky something? Yeah. Screw that. Yeah, like that... It- <laughs> It was, so, all, it was already free advertising for Kentucky. I don't know why they want to come after KFC for, for that, but that, that that's why they changed to KFC. So they're not allowed to call it KFC because it's not Kentucky anymore. It's not Kentucky anymore. It's just KFC. Got it. KF and chicken. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to stand for now if the K isn't for Kentucky anymore. Mm. Yeah, what would the K stand for? Like fried chicken is obvious. Yeah. Killer fried chicken. Oh God, no! That, that that's not that's not marketing. <laughs> it's terrible marketing. That, that's a film from Sci-Fi Original Channel. Kira Knightley's fried chicken. <laughs> Kira's fried chicken. Kira's fried chicken. <laughs> Ditch that Colonel Dweeb. He's just so drab. Just put Kira Knightley on the bucket. Kira, you know they've been like having different people play the Colonel. Kira Knightley would mm. kill at it. You bet she would. She'd be great. Mm. She's such an underrated actor. What are we talking about? We're talking about th- he's feeling sorry for himself oh, in his yeah. apartment and eating Kentucky Fried so, Chicken. <laughs> so after he's been in his apartment for a while, and you can and listen, it's it's a big life change. He's mm. sad. It makes sense. But there's a bit where he's like, I can't be in this apartment anymore. Mm. So he, just, and, he wheels out into the middle of the street at night. Yeah, and fortunately, A. Martinez is there and recognizes him and, like, you know, Gets him, puts him in his car. But what I love is that he runs out of his apartment, or, you know, wheels out of his apartment, mm-hmm. leaves the door open, and then we never see him ever go back to that apartment. So as far as we know, the door's still open. Because he ends up, like, moving a cot into his lab. Mm-hmm. At no point, it's like, oh, I left my social security card in there. Like, nothing. There's and no he, reason. And he's <laughs> doing this to just deliberately to lose himself in work, because yeah. he's, he's depressed, and he wants to just sort yeah. of distract himself. Yeah, he's he's lost his favorite pastimes, a lot of things he used to define well, himself. His friends he's, died. His, yeah. his romance is on the rocks, because he himself has lost self-confidence, and he's depressed. Okay, I, I'm with you all of that here. And then it turns out while he is... This is over an hour into the film, by oh, the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd think this would be like like 30 minutes in. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. The movie is almost over. <laughs> like, like we're, we're wrapping up at this point. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, this is like two-thirds of the way through mm-hmm. the movie, uh, he realizes, well, a little bit less than that, actually, because uh, he realizes that, okay, well, now the thing actually works, but I don't yeah, know how to replicate do, it. He does the experiment, and he actually gets things to so move. So I only have a limited quantity. However, while I was at my uh, possibly ex-girlfriend's like art show, 
Uh, I ended oh, up. That's in, right. I ended up in the Museum of Natural History for some reason. Well, I I, I actually liked this. I like that they gave us this information a little bit organically because mm. uh, she, his girlfriend, is an artist. He's come to my art show. I don't want to come to your art show. Come to my art show. He comes to the art show, but then when he's there, he's afraid of confronting people. So he sort of hides, and it is in an art museum, and he goes into a, a sort of back room, and there's suits of armor back there. Because it's an art museum. No, it's a museum. Yeah, like, mm. they frequently have contemporary shows from contemporary artists in history museums. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I, it actually reminded me It's like of, the Getty. Well, it actually reminded me of the opening, or not the opening, mm. but near the opening of Tim Burton's first Batman. Oh, there recently. you go. They wander into the, the arsenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is something that actually Sam Raimi would go on to uh, evoke in the original Spider-Man, where it turns out the Green Goblin collected masks mm. from other cultures. It was Explain a way why, to... why he had that, that silly mask in the It was movie, a way to justify yeah. why Batman might dress up as a Batman. It was mm. a way to justify why the Green Goblin might dress up as a Green Goblin. And this is to explain why... Exo Man would eventually dress as a milk carton. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> we'll get to the, oh, we'll get to the exo suit because it's glorious. He, uh, yeah, so he ends up he he. Uh, this is, okay, cool. Well, if I take all these little tablets and I line a suit of armor with them, I can use it to lift my limbs mm. and even make myself stronger than ever before. That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. And so he starts asking all of his college colleagues for, hey, remember that research he did in Bulletproof Paint? Can I use that? <laughs> sure. Cool. Hey, do you have any research on the dy- on the, the oh. dynamics of human movement? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I borrow that? <laughs> sure. Like how, how emotion affects it? There's something about him. Was it? It was, it, was about the, it was about the physics of motion. It was about the oh, physics yeah. of human movement. So he could replicate it with the suit. I appreciate right. that they actually thought that out. The, yeah, like because otherwise he would look move very robotically and inorganically. So well, that which it. and which he does at first, like he wraps yeah. some of those tabs around his feet and like just sets up some like radio radiation emitters, and he's able to sort of like shuffle across the ground. It's never explained how he has will over his his movements. Yeah, there's not like a very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he has like a power glove, like a gauntlet with some buttons on it, but uh, the buttons, what they that, do, that are pretty explain. clear. Like, yeah, pretty clear what they do. That wouldn't explain how he can move his legs the way he wants. Yeah. Unless he's constantly futzing with his those buttons, which he's not. Yeah. Uh, so at some point over the course of this, it's really, a, they don't, the movie doesn't care about this plot point, and neither should uh-huh. you. Uh, he figures out who b- attacked him. Yeah. Not, who, not who hired him, but who attacked him. And he tracks him down. At this point, we've reached the movie Upgrade. <laughs> which is also eerily similar and really quite good, and mm. you should see it. Um, I haven't, still haven't seen Upgrade. I, I want to see that it. a lot. Yeah. I do think you dig it. Um, and so he's going to use his exosuit. He, what he does is he goes to the guy's house, and he threatens him in front of his family. And then he like says, oh, yeah, well, I bet you wouldn't. you're too much of a coward to go after me. And then he waits in his van with his giant apartment in the van. They keep cutting inside the van, and it's huge. It's like a TARDIS. So from uh, Doctor Who, if you don't know what that is. Um, It's bigger on the inside. Uh, And in the van, he has like this. It's like a tanning bed that wraps the suit around him. And then we finally, we're finally about to see Exoman. The thing is closed, and when it opens up again, like magic, he will be Mm. Exoman. And what's the first thing we see? His crotch. <laughs> sure, it's, it's a shot from his feet looking up. Yeah, so we're looking at his crotch. The camera well, moves also, in closer to his crotch. And he inflates. Like, yes. he, his body gets larger when he's in the exosuit because you have to put a stuntman in there. <laughs> of course. So, Exo Man finally gets up. Mm. He, he looks like he's a kid wearing, like, like, mom's laundry hamper on his head. He looks like... Any number of robots from like really cheap 1950s theatrical serials, mm-hmm. like just big and boxy with kind of waggly, uncontrolled arms. He looks and like a you, laundry pen, like you would like the one you take the cap <laughs> off and, and remove or, or, stains, or, 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 or a tampon applicator. He looks just terrible, <laughs> and yeah, it looks it looks like cardboard. Oh yeah. It moves like cardboard. Oh, he moves it's, so slow. It's he, not intimidating. It's, it's nothing. And he's, he has like a, a his, he doesn't even have like a separate, separate headpiece. It's, he's just this big sort of torpedo shaped body. So he has to kind of like swivel around to look at stuff. Yeah. And you can tell that the actor inside is like sweaty and really uncomfortable. Yeah. 
And you know instantly why this show never took off. Because it looks stupid. Because the suit sucks. Now, <laughs> all, all of this up to this point, you say it's like really padded. I think they did okay character and storytelling for 70s TV. It's the main not a character, good, yeah. The main character. It's not fine. a good action show. No. Because they're they're dragging their feet a lot. But this is the 1970s. You know, we've seen in stuff like Future Cop, where the, the action just didn't move as quickly. This is par for the course. Or, or at for, all. Yeah, this is par for the course for a lot of 1970s television. That doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it good, but this is the creative. This is the creative milieu we're working in. So I'm okay with everything up to this point. As soon as you see that stupid ass suit, mm. it's like it's I, all gone. I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see Exo Man. I don't want to see this guy stumble around and knock into he, walls. He looks and, worse than Robbie the Robot, and Robbie the Robot looks cool, but Robbie the Robot is unwieldy. That's the point of Robbie the Robot. Yeah, he's, he's just this big, hunking mess. Yeah. Move a lot, yeah. So you've got Exo Man who can barely move, mm-hmm. who looks like an idiot. The one thing I will say that they do actually, I think, is visually innovative that I hadn't seen in a movie before this, mm-hmm. that they would eventually use in Iron Man, is we have the guy, the guy in the suit walking around, obviously a stuntman, mm-hmm. but then we cut to the actor's face in the suit. Yeah. A, a really close close up against a black background. Mm. We occasionally we see uh, his POV as he's looking at different readouts and things inside the suit. Uh, my favorite one, which you pointed out mm. uh, later on after he fights <laughs> oh, the <God>. guy, <laughs> he fights the guy and the suit starts to overheat and mm. there's a big light and mm. it and with a with a with a word on it just mm. to let him know that there's a malfunction. Malfunction. <laughs> Not malfunction. The C is missing from the, the word. C, and it's in a close-up. It's in close-up. Blinking, blinking red light that says malfunction. Uh, malfunction. Mal- uh, malfunction. Malfunction. Which is, of course, what happens when you're supposed to be having fun mm. and instead you're watching Exo-Man. <laughs> I'm having a malfunction. I need to get a gif of mm. malfunction. I'm just going to use it anytime someone puts something on Twitter that mm. isn't fun. It's supposed to be fun, <laughs> but it's not fun anymore. It's a malfunction. Mm. It's glorious. Should we make malfunction t-shirts? Oh, God. <laughs> it just says malfunction across probably, the chest. We probably have like a beep, like a... Yes. Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> okay. We probably should. You're in charge of that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll knock something together. It's a, it's a word. Just type it out in some public domain font and we're good. Put it in impact. It's there fine. Impact. Comic, uh, Comic Sans. Oh, no. No, 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 oh. no. Comic Sans actually does have a function, which I didn't realize. A lot of people look down on Comic Sans because it's, mm. you know, looks like comics and it's oh, it was, often used. It was used, overused incorrectly. Uh, yeah, but the the reason Comic Sans like really exists, is, to my understanding, uh, is because unlike a lot of other uh, fonts, a lot of the similar letters aren't just like swapped. Mm. Like the B and the D yeah. aren't, aren't swapped. They actually look very distinctive. And so for people with reading disabilities, like oh, if you're okay. dyslexic, it's easier to tell them apart. Because they're not just mirror images of one another. Yeah, they don't look too similar. So right. that's so we look down on it, but actually there's a really good reason why it exists. So I've actually like I'm no longer there was a time when I was one of those people who was like, Comic Sans. I'm not against Comic Sans. I am against Papyrus. Papyrus sucks. Papyrus w- was cool for like like when you first discovered it yeah. in one of your typing programs, and you're thinking to myself, "Haha, I'm writing an ancient scroll." I, I'm I'm pretty sure I typed out uh, some essay cover sheets using Papyrus back in like 1996. Did or you have 97. Did you have a Did you have like a plastic binder with a see through cover on that? That's how you get an A. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had yellow ones. They were oh <laughs> no, not the yellow ones. Yeah, the yellow nobody ones. likes lemon flavor. <laughs> I like lemon flavor. <laughs> You're dead to me. Um, anyway, Exo Man uh, chases that guy and he tries to climb up a building. And I love it. He's trying to climb up this building and he grabs onto some bricks at the top and the bricks just fall off like they were never attached to the building. <laughs> like they were. It's not like he puts too much pressure on them and they break. They just were just sort of piled on top of the building willy-nilly and he just falls to his death and that's when exo man's armor overheats and then we have this really awkward moment where like a homeless guy is like wandering the streets yeah, well, picking he, up garbage he, he, yeah like he he's his suit is overheating and he collapses yeah so and, he's and, immo- and immobile fa- and it, yeah and his, his face plate opens up and he says hey hey dude help help i'm, I'm trapped here and he realizes 
what a what a horrendous hero. What a bad hero you are. Yeah, well, he hasn't thought it all out yet. I grant you that. Batman made some mistakes early on as well. Yeah, but uh, just the, the sight of him laying in that gigantic cardboard tube. It's not even that. It's not even that. The scene for me is we are all of a sudden introduced to someone who has none of the context the audience has for why this is a thing, mm-hmm. how it works, why it is at least theoretically cool. We have a guy who all of a sudden is just looking at a dude lying down in this horrible outfit Mm. and he's just yelling things at him and everything he says sounds bad. Like he's just like, okay, I just need you to press this button on my armor. The guy's like, I'm not going to do that. No, no, you got to, or, or, or I won't be able to, to, to get out of here. That's fine. No, no, you got to push the thing. He finally pushes the thing, and then he runs away. He's afraid he's going to get beat up mm-hmm. or something. And the guy's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Listen, I I owe you one. What's your address? I'll, 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 and the guy's like, I'm not telling you my address. And he runs away. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> that guy's the most sensible person in the whole movie. And he looks like a street urchin in a Muppet film. Like he's just got like the the frumpy cap and the, the doesn't he even have fingerless gloves. I think he does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous costume. It's like design. one of the Bowery boys. So we got ten minutes in the movie left, by the way. Uh, and uh, the guy that tells he, his girlfriend what happened. She's of course very upset. Yada yada yada. But she, she's excited that that he's developed a technology to walk again because that's cool. Yeah, that that's amazing. We why are you fighting crime? <laughs> Seriously, why are you f- mm. at this point? You're only fighting crime for vengeance. Yeah, like they're not attacking you they, anymore. They got, like, got back at the guy who broke his legs, and but then he says, "Well, I need to make this noble somehow. I can't just sort of kill a guy." <laughs> uh, the guy who's working for, however, is a wicked crime boss who has his fingers in a lot of pie. So he'll go after Jose Ferrer. Yes, so he breaks into Jose Ferrer's house, but Kool Aid style, just yeah. sort of smashes through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's what the case stands for in kfc <laughs> <laughs> kool-aid fried chicken have you ever heard of kulikles no this is a new new thing in my life i've never understood is it, it kool-aid popsicles Kool- kool-aid pickles like pickles no that are pass so- soaked in kool-aid hard pass hard pass i think no. they're from oklahoma city then they can um, stay there yeah <laughs> like no thank you have you tried it no, no, no. I, okay. Like, one, one of the cooking game shows I watch introduced me to Kulikols. And Did, were they in favor of it? Well, it, it was like a, it was, it was a t- the TV show Chopped. Have you ever seen Chopped? Yeah, I'm aware of yeah, it. They, yeah, they use like mystery ingredients in a basket to try to make something edible. So they were, the, the contestants were presented with Kulikols. Pass. <laughs> Pass. Move on. <laughs> Next episode. I, I bring up Kulikol, a Kool-Aid pickle, because that's what the exosuit looks like. <laughs> it's a big red pickle. With f- little flaily arms and a little triangular faceplate. Mm, it looks like a Crayola marker that's been used a bit. Yeah. It's like, like, it doesn't have the pointy the edge anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <Yes. laughs> it looks so stupid. Or, or something you get at the pleasure chest. It's really phallic looking. It, it really is. It really is. Mm. Um, you versus the Exo Man. She tells you not to worry about <laughs> God. Oh, oh, it's so bad. Anyway, so he breaks into the guy's house and he beats some people up. And then he goes to Jose Ferrer and Jose Ferrer is like locked in his panic room. And then the mm-hmm. X-Men breaks in. And then just when you think something interesting is about to happen, he just takes some files and leaves. I will. Well, because he, he doesn't just want to murder, even though he did that already. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to murder again. Not uh, if he can avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so he then he gives, the, presumably <laughs> he gives those files to the good guys. Uh, and we're good. If you're a superhero... Don't just murder. <laughs> Don't kill anybody. Yeah, let's not kill anybody. I've had a, I wrote an article for IGN a while ago about right. why Batman shouldn't kill. Yeah, so many people think he should. So many people think he'd be just. It, well, like I was like, listen, there's you're equating you know Batman killing with murder, and I'm like, yeah, that isn't that what that is. Like you could maybe argue it's manslaughter if it's like an accident, mm-hmm. but even so, he's not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And well, I get and I get responses just to, like, well, what about executioners? Yeah. Those people kill, and that's moral. Okay, a is, we could a it? it's not necessarily moral. <laughs> B they're not doing it willy nilly. There's mm-hmm. a whole process mm-hmm. in which they are told by a variety of people with authority whose actual responsibility like, it is like analyzing the law and yeah prosecuting and there's an appeals people. process yeah. and shit it's not just like batman thought it would be easier today like it's no when it comes to some like bat batman who like lives in the shadows and is a little harder edged than other superheroes i can i can see let's 
if you think of Batman the way you think of John Wick. Now, John Wick is an assassin, of course, but, mm. you know, I don't mind when John Wick murders a hundred people. That's cool. Well, John Wick only murders other hitmen. That's true. Of which there are millions. Uh, l- yeah, luckily everyone in New York is a hitman, so he just fires a bullet, he kills a hitman. <laughs> and, you know, when James Bond murders somebody, I'm okay with James Bond murders somebody. He literally has a license to kill yeah. from the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, he's, he is a lot. The reason he has that mm-hmm. is because they trust him to only use it when necessary. Yeah, but, he doesn't go around killing everybody. But, you know, if, if you're wearing a colorful costume and you're in a com- comic book and young people are reading, maybe not murder people. Maybe, like, try to be a moral upstanding aspirational figure. Yeah. I mean, mean, you can spar with them. Like, I don't mind it when, like, there's a miscommunication when Spider-Man meets Superman for the first time and they they fight a little bit. Fight for a little bit, yeah. But then it's just like... But they always resolve their differences at the end of those fights. Exactly. The fights are just there for fan service. I want to see who throws a harder punch. Yeah. Appeal to the the most basic need you have as a comic book reader. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But, like, you don't want them to be unnecessarily violent. Mm -hmm. A lot of superheroes make a mistake early on. Spider-Man made a mistake early on. He inadvertently killed a guy. Mm. He, he meant to, but yeah. like he didn't mean for it to go that far necessarily, so, and he regretted it ever since, and it led him to all everything he does is an attempt to compensate for that. Yeah. So Exoman let his dark impulses get the better of him once, mm-hmm. and when he was in a position where he could just sort of wreck a, guy, wreck a dude, yeah, you know, t- turn him into salsa if he wanted to, because it was his inflatable dildo-shaped exosuit. <laughs> He, th- he thought better of it, and he yeah. did the decent thing, as was established earlier in the, the special. And then, uh, uh, and the, then the, the series pilot. ends uh, with uh, him joking with his girlfriend. <laughs> and Harry Morgan comes in and says, wow, you did a cool exosuit thing. I mean, I don't know your exosuit, man, but we could use Exoman uh, to help out the police. Wink. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. He's not a crime fighter. He was a scientist mm-hmm. who decided to use his invention for revenge once. Twice, because it was ball-related. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when the crow finds out, okay, well, I killed that guy, but yeah. I need to kill his boss. He's the one who's really responsible. Uh, the crow can kill, because the crow is a demon. Yeah, well, yeah, the crow's I, a supernatural well, he's figure a, of vengeance. He's, a, he's an angel of vengeance. He's allowed to beat a, out. He's not a superhero. Like, he's God, like a Frankenstein. What, whatever god or folklorish mm. creature gave him power told him it was okay. That's a different story. <laughs> I, I, I personally don't approve, but again, there was a process and he was approved. <laughs> but he's the excellent. There, there's paperwork in, in the full tale resurrection vengeance game. Here's the, here's the damn thing, though. Mm. Exo Man, it, it's it's irresponsible of Exo Man to be a superhero, because what Exo Man can do mm-hmm. is he can work his ass off to replicate that formula. He knows that whatever that guy did to that formula was based off of chemicals which he knows were in that place. So he just has what, you to. Mean, fi- you mean in his lab? In his lab. Okay. It's a finite amount of possibilities. Yeah. So we understand he mixed up one ingredient. Process of elimination. But, even knew, scientific method. Even knew it would take the, time. Uh, they even knew the ingredient. I don't think they did. I think yeah, they, they, did. They, they, they. He said, "Yeah, I, I mixed up. I used you know, zinc oxide. Whatever it was, he was no. He the was zinc using oxide and, was what they were supposed to be using. He used something else instead of zinc oxide by mistake. Oh, I thought and they used, didn't know what it was, uh, and they also don't know how much he used, etc. But regardless, zinc oxide is sunscreen, by the way. <laughs> yeah, regardless, it is a finite amount of possibilities. It's only what's in that lab. I've we saw a lot of that lab. It is not fully stocked. There's only a few hmm. shelves worth of chemicals. There's only so many things well, it may- could be. Maybe had Exoman go- gone to series, they would have explored that a little bit. I just think I just think it would be of more benefit to mankind to figure out what you did hmm. and then, you know, use it well, for actual practical application. Given the type of person Dr. Conrad is, he, he doesn't seem like, like he's not a man of action. He's not a superhero. What are you talking about? He chased after that uh, guy at a bank robbery. But, so he has like a heroic impulse, yeah. but he strikes me as the kind of guy who would be more interested in using that technology to, uh, yeah, like better machines, get people better cars, helping people with the technology, not just keeping it for himself and using it in a suit to help people. See, I think what you could do, if because again, the whole point was this is supposed to go to series and it didn't. Mm. I think what you'd have to do, and I think they didn't go here in the movie, and I think if they had, I really do think... I get they were trying to justify every decision he made, Batman Begins style, to sort of explain how this Exo Man thing makes sense. Yeah. 
I think what they needed to do, I think what they needed, and this is a small thing. You know, and I appreciate that process. I appreciate the process. I think it took way too damn long. Yeah, that's fair. I think what you need to do, Mm -hmm. you need to establish that for this guy, this this guy who led a very athletic lifestyle, uh, who is now disabled, Mm -hmm. uh, to be in the exosuit is a rush. It's what he's missing. It, it. It becomes the thing that defines him. You mean like in Mantis? Like in, yeah, exactly like <laughs> in Mantis. But like, yeah, if we justify, like, he does it because he's he he is indeed trying to find the the formula. We show him doing that every couple of episodes, trying to replicate it, trying new things, whatever. He is trying to do the right thing, but in the meantime, the exosuit is all he has. Okay, so he might as well use it, and especially since. It's something that makes him feel alive. And what you could do is you could explore over time um, how he is not really confronting the fact that his life has changed and he is now disabled because he has this escape. Mm. Um, The depiction of people with disabilities in media uh, is sadly not explored enough by enough critics. And I think there aren't as many uh, critics with disabilities who have been given a major outlet and a major voice mm-hmm. as uh, I, I, I think we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, one such person who I'm very fortunate enough to do occasionally do podcasts with is Kristen Lopez. Kristen, oh, Kristen's wonderful. She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. She is smart. She knows all of her stuff, and she writes very elegantly uh, about uh, the portrayal of people with disabilities in various forms of media, uh, and I highly recommend uh, you check out her stuff. I don't think she's written about Exo Man, but maybe she mm-hmm. has. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm not gonna speak. I'm not gonna say like I have a bad knee, but that's a different thing. That's not a. Uh, uh, it's not the same. Uh, so I'm not gonna pretend that I know the best way to present a figure with disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can say is that I hope if this had gone to series, it would have been something they would have tackled rather than using the exosuit as an excuse to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. because that would be lame. Uh, they. <sighs> Had something like Exoman come out a little bit later, and they were actually like a, trying to be a little bit more sensitive to some of the things they were b- unintentionally bringing up, mm-hmm. um, and by by later I mean like a decade later, yeah. Uh, then yeah, they would have definitely addressed that. This, however, was trying to sort of bank on the popularity of your Incredible Hulks and your Wonder Womans. It was it was a superhero show. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a superhero show, and it was going to be about this guy who gets in the suit and fights a crime. And they were never going to address it. I can assure you that had this gone to series in 1977, it might have even gone on for several seasons. Who knows? If mm-hmm. it could have been successful, they wouldn't have brought it up. That would have been up to like the critics and the SAS and the pundits to really kind of point that out and see say what was really going on. The show didn't strike me. I like I liked the way he was written. I like his character. I like that he's smart, and I like the process. I like the idea they were trying of to, him. They were trying the to actual... think through all of this stuff, but. They're still not smart enough, or at least interested in delving, you know, asking those questions. Here's here's what we're missing from Exo Man. Like I'm I'm trying to picture Exo Man lasting a hundred episodes, and it sounds boring as fuck. (laughs) Um, His supporting cast is boring. A Martinez is a likable actor, but he really doesn't have any particular character or anything to contribute. Mm. Um, The girlfriend character is. Play the girlfriend the, play, character. Played by the mom from Elf, by the way. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, same actress. Like uh, frankly, she's supportive and nice, but she doesn't really add any uh, drama or, mm. you know... Uh, a- any actual s- commentary or conversation. Yeah, yeah. Th- all the supporting cast just feels kind of there. Mm. Um, a-, our, a-, a Martinez is fine. I a Martinez fine. is fine. I just don't think there's, he has, his character is given enough... Uh, to do or even say. Okay. Um, so your supporting cast is floundering. So all you've got is your protagonist, who is okay. I'm not. I'm not as impressed with the, with his character as you are. Mm. Uh, but what we're this is really going to live and die on is the Exo Man action. To which I have to say, what action? <laughs> he he does smash through a wall. It takes him a little while. But it's he's 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 slow. Mm-hmm. He's plotting. He's very limited in almost any situation. Like, imagine an entire episode of him in that suit. You yeah. can't. You can't. And so you're going to have to whip it out for only a couple of scenes. And all of those scenes are going to be paced badly because he walks slower than Frankenstein. Like, it's just like, it's supposed to be a super suit. Let him be super. What are you doing? 
if this show had been identical, but the suit was really awesome, it could have been saved. It's like as as easy as oh, that. Yeah. Allegedly, the reason the show didn't go to series, mm. and I don't have like this is just what I read on the internet. I haven't mm. been able to track down the original quote. Uh, but allegedly, mm. the reason the show didn't go to series isn't because the ratings were bad. Apparently, the ratings were fine. You know, Saturday on a summer. Uh, apparently it was because they didn't think it could be merchandisable. And yeah, I saw that suit. Mm. It is not merchandisable. I don't want to get that toy. No, <laughs> who would? <laughs> it looks like it looks like something you'd make in in class when you were bored. Oh my God. It looks like Forky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Forky, the superhero. There you go. Anyway, Exo Man was Exo Man. Mm. Curious about your take on this. <laughs> was Exo Man canceled too soon? No. No. Really? No. I thought you were going to be on this. I thought you were going to be squarely on the side of Exo Man this time. Uh, no, well, I, I, like there's there's a lot going for it. Okay. I think there are a lot there's a lot they're doing right. And I okay. like that they're thinking out the steps on how to make an Exo Man. Okay. They don't know why they're trying to get to Exo Man. The reason you get to Exo Man is to do some awesome shit. <laughs> you have an awesome suit and you do some awesome shit. That's the fantasy. Yeah. As a su- they, superheroes they, are power fantasies. You don't feel powerless in real life. As a superhero, you get to do something cool. Yeah, you can either admire somebody who is really powerful or project yourself into that, that person. That's why characters know. like Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and the Incredible Hulk were such game-changing, revolutionary characters is because they imagined that, okay, you've got this power fantasy, that part's cool, but what if your real life still sucked? <laughs> like, that was the thing. Like, what mm. if life was still life, Yeah, but you still did cool stuff? Like that was the thing. It made all these all these superheroes were suddenly very well rounded, and their lives were interesting throughout. And mm. superheroes' superpowers weren't necessarily the solution to their problems, even though they were still exciting to look at. So um, I can see why. Look, someone ripped off Iron Man. Okay, I, I'm not accusing <laughs> anyone by name, but like you're telling me yeah. that they got all the way through Exo Man and no one pointed out, not one person, no one, no one who wrote the script, yeah. no one like the producers, kids, like no one ever said it's kind of like Iron Man and that little like Iron Man and that yeah. little bit like Iron Man, just a smidge, hmm. a smidge. No, you're not gonna read the comic. Might <laughs> bite you in the ass later legally if it goes um, to series. No, you're gonna okay. Maybe. Like, they couldn't afford the rights to Iron Man, or they weren't interested in the rights to Iron Man. <laughs> but this is a 1977 TV budget. You can't build an Iron Man suit. Like no. That. You couldn't have an bad. actor in that. You'd either have to do a miniature you or. Know, you could have if you'd gone for the old, like, tank suit. Like, oh, like in the, the original like, silvery Iron Man yeah, suit. Yeah, if you look yeah. at the ori- John Favreau's original Iron Man movie, the one that he builds in a cave. Like, no, if you had made was, it. Yeah, meant to look like it did in the comics. Yeah, like, if you made it look like the walking tank. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could have gotten away with it in an Incredible Hulk it's, kind of way. It still would have looked silly, man. Well, of course it would have looked silly. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk looked silly. It, yeah. still, it was a popular show. Yeah. Well, but the Incredible Hulk, they didn't put him in a, a big ungainly suit. They just got a big guy. They got Lou Ferrigno <laughs> yeah. and torn up clothes and painted him green and had him snarl. I'm sorry. It's still silly. When I was a kid and I saw that show, it was still silly. Mm. I, I, I knew, I mean, I was enjoying it fine, but like, I knew it was dumb. Yeah. I knew there was Lou Ferrigno. Like, it's not like I'm like, but ooh, I'm, I'm so transported. Lou Ferrigno moves like a person because he's a person. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> you can't, is true. You can't put somebody in a, in a, you know, a wooden or a fiberglass suit. Not with that attitude. Not, not with like 1977 technology with the TV budget. You just couldn't do it. Couldn't be done. <laughs> be too squarey and ungainly. So... They thought, well, we can't do Iron Man. That's just mm. too complicated a design. So we'll do Exo Man, something really similar. And that's still a bad design. <laughs> like this is that's the best they could do in 1977 when it came to wearing a robot suit. They they couldn't think of a creative way around a bad robot design. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't. Um, so that's Exo Man. Mm. Not recommended. <laughs> Malfunction. <laughs> Malfunted. Right, right from the beginning. Uh, we'll be back actually pretty soon. Mm. Uh, we will be back with Wizards and Warriors soon, but because we went a week without it and the last one was late and we feel bad, we're going to do another pilot right away. This we're is going to give you a, another little bonus. This one, uh, this one I've been wanting to get to for a while because mm. this next one that we're going to be doing is a show called Spectre. Nothing to do with James Bond. Mm. It's a show called Spectre, and it is a supernatural investigation series written by Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry is a TV creator mm. who did uh, Andromeda. And uh, Earth 2. 
if memory serves. No, uh, he, he did Earth Final Conflict. Oh, apologies. Not, not Earth 2. Earth 2 came before the Final Conflict. Uh, yeah, clearly. No, the Earth had its Final Conflict, now they need Earth 2. Oh, that makes more sense, actually. I see yeah. what you did there. <laughs> Gene Roddenberry did Star Trek. Oh, yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a minor hit. Yeah. It had a few seasons in the 60s, then everyone forgot about it. Yeah, no, um, but, uh, yeah, he also no, wrote... Nobody's the- banking on a, an entire streaming service that Star Trek succeeds. <laughs> it's UPN all over again. <laughs> oh, God. CBS All Access is have just you, UPN. Have learned- they also have the Twilight Zone. Yeah, have you learned nothing, CBS All Access? Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, Gene Roddenberry wrote a Supernatural series in addition to his sci-fi show that everyone liked. Mm-hmm. Never got past the pilot. I've always wanted to see it. We're going to see it. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be another Exo-Man. God help us all. Uh, so, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening. And a very special thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're mm-hmm. on Patreon at patreon.com slash critic acclaim. That's the banner under which all of our podcasts are, from Cancel Too Soon to Critically Acclaimed to The mm-hmm. Two Shot. Um, and on that page you'll get a bunch of bonus content uh you get uh, bonus podcasts that are only available on patreon like all our yesterdays the show where whitney and i review every single episode of star trek in production order mm-hmm. uh we've got only the best where we review every single nominee for best picture in chronological order uh we've got the cancel too soon monthly movie where we review tv series and miniseries uh, sorry tv movies and miniseries um and a bunch more besides we're doing commentary tracks now mm-hmm. it's great yeah. So uh, thank yeah, you. There every- ain't no shortage of us. Oh my god, we are so tired. So <laughs> thank you everybody for supporting the show. If you can't support the show financially, we of course understand. But uh, you know, we just like you listening. Leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps us find new people. Tell people about the show. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Cancelled Cast or at Critic Acclaim. We'll link to the show there as well. I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that is a wrap, folks. We will see you next season.